Hey cuties, this is Deidre C. Hey cuties, it's Jay Nicole. And welcome to the Queen Team Podcast. A, a place to, to cultivate your queendom. Jay Nicole, what have you been up to? We've been gone for a couple weeks. I know. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Sorry guys. Dude, uh, there's a saying, um, I'll be there unless I'm at a birth. And last week I was at an epic birth, a marathon birth, as one might describe it or a doula might describe it. Or it lasted a few days and supporting the family over, I think, three days total. And so that kind of really got us off our game. Yeah. But also it felt very fitting because last week was World Doula Week where doulas try to bring more awareness about what doulas do and how they can be helpful to families who are transitioning into growing, into meeting their new babies or baby uh, on all sorts of fronts. And I'm really excited because Janisha has signed up for a training to become a postpartum and birth doula. Yay! And I cannot wait to see how you blossom and grow in that area as well. And I'm actually going to the training too because I am not a postpartum doula, but I think it's time that I take on that role as well. Um, I love working with families and I've it's been really incredible during my journey as a birth worker to increasingly understand how important postpartum support is. I truly believe that's even more important, I think, than birth support, which, you know, I was talking to my younger self even maybe two or three years ago, be like, heresy, birth support is paramount. <laughs> um, definitely it's, it's intense and it's drama filled and it's um, really parents and families need guidance through that time of moving through the unknown of the intensity of labor and birth. But when it comes to postpartum, I think that's definitely uh, ignored because like, yay, pregnant people. I mean, sorry, babies, having babies. It's going to be amazing and fun. But generally, it doesn't turn out to be that way. I think society gives us the message that we're supposed to know what to do. But most of the time, we yeah. don't, yeah. even if it's your second time. Oh, my gosh. You or know? third time or seventh right. time. I had a client a couple months ago. It was her sixth baby. And she's like, I still need a postpartum doula. So it is having the baby is just the beginning. That's when the hard stuff really begins. Yeah. Well, yeah. Deidre, how long have you been a doula? And for those that don't know what a doula is, because yeah. I feel like lately when I've been explaining that I want to become a doula, mm -hmm. that word doula is like, huh? What yeah. is that? Yeah. So what is a doula? And yes. what is a po what's the difference between birth doula and postpartum doula? That and how long great. have you been a doula? Yeah. So let's start with doula. The word doula itself is a Greek word. It means female servant or slave. Um, and a while back in the early 70s when this term got coined, or the early 80s, rather, it was becoming increasingly popular for families to move away from one another. So if you grow up, you move to another area for your job or whatever, and you don't have your community around you. And so the world doula was coined as a specially trained labor and birth worker, somebody who was specially trained to support families during the process of labor and birth. And now doulas are understood to be a non-medical labor support person. So somebody who is, maybe even they do have a moderate amount of training, they may not be a nurse or a doctor or a midwife because they do not take care or care for the family in medical ways. Mm -hmm. I always explain it when I'm talking to families. We're all up here, and I circle my face, not down there, <laughs> staying away from the nether regions. Um, our job is to really help provide physical comfort, informational support, and emotional support during the process of labor and birth and that's the job of a birth doula or a perinatal doula um, there's usually some meetings that families would have with their doula to kind of 
talk about what they want for the labor and birth, then the doula is present for the labor and birth. Whenever the family wants support is there to provide the physical aspect, the emotional aspect, and the informational aspect uh, to help those families really stay present in the moment to make their best choices. She's not there to tell them what to do or how to move, but say, well, this and this and this, it could be, it could go this way or it could go that way. You might want to ask your doctor or your midwife more questions about this so you can have all of your questions answered so that you can make an informed choice for you. Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what that makes me think of? Yeah. A liaison. Yeah. Somebody that's like a go between Mm -hmm. who has the best interest of the family in mind, Mm -hmm. but they're more informed and experienced than the family. Mm -hmm. So they can kind of help guide and direct the family and the mother as to how they should best move or make their Mm -hmm. choices. Yeah. And support them in their choices. Exactly. I also like to say it's kind of like a wedding coordinator for Mm -hmm. your birth. I like that. And I think that kind of helps people get a bigger, better picture of kind of what a doula does. You know, the wedding coordinator is not getting married. The wedding coordinator doesn't have any personal stake in the the wedding itself she just wants to provide the experience that the couple really wants if you've ever been a part of a wedding you know that there's something that does not go right right and the wedding coordinator is there to help navigate around those challenges and that's kind of what a doula does too yeah and even though we sit down and talk about the plan beforehand how a mom wants it to be there's always an unexpected that comes up no matter how prepared you are this last family that i worked with for a few days they were all the prepared all of the I's dotted and T's crossed and they thought they were ready and still they had a wrench was thrown in their plan something that was completely unexpected but as the doula my job is to help navigate around that help them to check in with themselves emotionally create space for them to process those feelings and then give them the information so they can make their best decision in the moment um, so that's kind of what a birth doula does and a postpartum doula is a little bit different I've heard postpartum doulas described as they want to work themselves out of a job so they provide still emotional comfort, still informational support, and still physical comfort for moms, but they're really there to help mother the mother as she becomes a mother and answer questions, provide breastfeeding support, perhaps do light cleaning, cooking, organizing to really help that transition from having a, ba- from having a baby uh, go more smoothly. In my classes, I tell mamas, you have four jobs. Your four jobs are to feed your baby, feed yourself, rest and take a shower and that is it yeah the postpartum doula's job is to like make sure she's getting those jobs done right and so maybe that means feeding the mother maybe that means cleaning the toilet maybe that means helping her come up with a strong postpartum plan helping her to integrate her partner creating space for partner to also eat sleep and help take care of mom and baby um kind of like a fairy somebody Mm -hmm. um a fairy a baby poppins exactly <laughs> exactly i like that i'm a baby poppins. a baby poppins or a mama poppins or whatever yeah they're there to really take care of the family um and really are there specifically or the mom and the co-parent she's there to hold a space for them to be what they want so she doesn't say okay why don't you do this and this and this or nope this is how i did it with my kids yeah no she sits down and tries to help those parents tap in through their intuition to help them parent the best they the best way they want to because everybody's got some sort of advice whether it's grandma ida or auntie jane or you know cousin brian who's never had kids you should do it this way oh it was done to me and it turned out fine but it can be very emotional trying to implement the choices for your family especially when you feel like it's not necessarily contrary but 
like you don't feel like the other bits of your family are really listening to you or seeing you. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I believe too that their job is to have some medical training to look out for signs of distress in baby and mom. Um, for those who've had a cesarean section mm-hmm. or maybe some type of trauma in birth, mm-hmm. um, because remember the moms in color that we went to mm-hmm. and they were, they had the mom that came in who was short of breath and, mm-hmm. um, sweating profusely. Mm-hmm. And that was a sign of what was it? A pulmonary embolism. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. being able to look out for those signs because yeah. we don't want to lose moms or babies right. during those first, you know, couple right. of weeks if they've had surgery or, uh, maybe some type of trauma in birth. Exactly. And in addition to that, they also look out for postpartum depression or any maternal yes. mood disorders. And of course, the faster that those get addressed, the sooner moms have you know resources to come out of that to be able to move through those maternal mood disorders, whether it be postpartum depression or uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder or um, anxiety or whatever mm-hmm. could come up or surface for that mom. And so postpartum doulas are there to really help that as well. So there's very beneficial and, you know, we're going to tap a little bit into this. Having doulas present and available to moms can really help to minimize some of the birth disparities in the African-American community. I'm not sure if we've actually spoken about it yet on our podcast, but we're we going to have to have and a we huge, will. huge series or episode about the disparities in the black community black mothers and black babies are dying three to four times more frequently than any of their other cultural counterparts and as i sit here talking into my mic i'm like and, and not already... sick dying like yes. dead in the grave yes ah and i'm just i want to beat the drums and alert all the people because it's needless and it's it doesn't have to be happening We just need to be providing another set of ears, another set of eyes, and really listening to deeply and validating people's experiences. Okay, (laughs) I get so riled up. I've got my fists all balled up because it's so frustrating to me. But um, I think that's one reason it's so important for both Janice and I to continue with this work and support families um, because we want to be women of color, supporting women of color through these transitions so that we can help to improve these services, improve these disparities. Absolutely. And also, Deidre, I mean, when we were first discussing topic ideas for the podcast, this Mm -hmm. was one of the main topics that we discussed as far as um, birth, um, breastfeeding, and uh, disparities, um, motherhood, Mm -hmm. all of those topics are near and dear to our hearts. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad we got a chance, you know, today to introduce it. But yeah, I mean, you dealing with the mom for all of those three days, it takes time, it takes energy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about this last week, but this is a creative outlet. Yeah. So if you've spent all your energy uh, involved in a birth and still being a mother, (laughs) you know, plus you work and do all the other things you do. Yeah. There's just no time in the brain, space in the brain to come up with ideas, what we're going to talk about, how Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, make this come together. The energy is low. So forgive us for not being here last week, but we're here now and we are so excited to be back. We're here. We're going to talk about vaginas today and demystifying vaginas. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you guys remember Wanda Sykes a couple years ago had a stand up comedy special 
And she said, what if your vagina could be detachable? That would be amazing. And how great your life could be. Like if you, if it was late night and you want to go for a jog, you're feeling unsafe. No problem. I'll just leave my vagina at home. Somebody (laughs) jumps out of the bushes while you're running. You're like, ha, I left my vagina at home. Or if you're on a date, you know, you call up your girlfriend like, oh, girl's going really good. And, you know, can you bring me my vagina? And so... We want to kind of discuss this and we'll leave the link to that stand up in the show notes. It does mm-hmm. have some inappropriate language. You do not play it around your no. kids <laughs> at all, like nowhere in the vicinity. But it's just a funny way to kind of put to a serious topic, like how much um, value is placed on vaginas, mm-hmm. how important they are, how they put us in a lot of unsafe situations. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some of those things today in the Queen's Chambers and um, I can't wait. So welcome to the Queen's Chambers. Just like Janisha said, we are talking about vaginas today. And it's crazy because I feel like there's sometimes such a disembodied part of women. Um, women don't have an overall value or in, they're not included. When we think about our bodies, not always do we think about our vaginas. And sometimes they could be and are Oh, what is the word? Detachable? <laughs> I wish they were detachable. Oh. <laughs> um, but also not valued by, by men oh, and, yeah, for a, sure. as well. And they are devalued is, I think, the word that I was looking for. And just it, they are pretty daggone amazing and incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I had the opportunity to be part of an event, an awareness event in February for V-Day to bring more awareness about violence against women I participated in Eve Ensler's The Vagina Monologues. It was an empowering experience. I think I, when I agreed to audition for the play, I didn't even understand what kind of effect it would have on me. And I think I'm still kind of reeling from it a little bit. It's been maybe six weeks since the show and all of the practice and memorization leading up to it. But I'm like, whoa, like I could talk about vaginas. I could even say the word vaginas. It's... Um, very empowering a little bit because at least with my spiritual upbringing or my religious upbringing you know we don't talk about our privates we don't talk about that in depth and I think that's how I personally kind of got this separation from me and my vagina but Janisha wanted to share a quote from the play yeah I read some of the play even though I wasn't able to attend (laughs) (laughs) that's all right good but I found this quote like pretty much summarizes what we're going to discuss today. Mm -hmm. There is so much darkness and secrecy surrounding them. Like the Bermuda Triangle, nobody ever reports back from there. (laughs) And it's kind of a funny quote, but also it's very serious too at the Mm -hmm. same time. Like, why aren't we reporting back from there? Why is there so much mystery? And why is it so mystical surrounding the vagina? I mean, it's, that's where the where all life emanates from. Mm-hmm. So why is it so mysterious and mystical? And mm-hmm. why is it so taboo to speak about? And I know for me, I really wanted to teach my daughter and even my son too about their private parts. Yes. Um, that let's talk about it. They're great. They're amazing. They have more than one function, mm-hmm. but they're still private. What I wanted them to know is more about appropriateness. Mm-hmm. So this thing isn't bad. This thing is great, 
but it's just not appropriate to discuss it with everyone. It's not appropriate to let people touch it, Mm -hmm. but it is appropriate for you to discuss it with me, to ask all Mm -hmm. of your questions, for you to feel happy about it, for you to like yourself Mm -hmm. um, in your private area. It doesn't have to be the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Um, It doesn't have to be a mystery. We can discuss whatever you want to know, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this today because I think a lot of people's ears are going to, people's ears automatically tune up when you say vagina or penis or any type of anatomy. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're more than just a sex object. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, I mean, and that's what this play was all about, to kind of break down some of those barriers, break down some of the mysteries surrounding vaginas. And even though this play has been out for about 20 years, every year she changes it just a little bit um, to have something new for people who have seen the play before, to see something a little different, to hear a new story. Because what she really did in order to create this play is interview tons of different women from tons of different backgrounds and ask them pretty much all the same questions. And those questions were, if your vagina got dressed, what would it wear? If your vagina could talk, what would it say? What's special about your vagina? And what does your vagina smell like? These questions, the same one. So all these different women from all these different backgrounds. I don't know if I want to answer these questions. (laughs) And It's um, very personal. And then kind of put together this play uh, based on some of those responses and not just memorizing my own parts. That was that was like my, my own like, whoa, I, I don't even know. I had a hard time, um, not necessarily with the memorization piece, but telling some of the stories because it just kind of helps you look at the body in another way. But then also seeing some of the um, monologues from my colleagues or from my other, the co-actors. And it just having the pages breathed into life through these other women telling these stories uh, blew my mind. <laughs> it blew my mind to see them live in an action. And um, it, it was just, inc- I, I can't even describe it. It was such an incredible experience, such an incredible experience. So we thought we would share a little bit about our own vaginas <laughs> as much as we felt comfortable talking about. We don't have to answer all of these questions, but I thought it'd be just an interesting way to, to kind of introduce this topic of vaginas. We're going to be having three total episodes about vaginas and this week is just more about like how we view our own vaginas you got anything over there <laughs> you guys you can't see me but i'm like a deer caught in headlights like uh am i really about to share and we knew this, this topic was coming <laughs> this intimate like but it's like hitting me right now yeah yeah it's it's hard i mean i think it's it's hard in because of the cultural conditioning that we've had up until this point. Yeah, Plus, hey, it's a really special private area. Yeah. You I don't mean, have these conversations with everybody. Exactly. And let's talk about why it's hard because yeah. you want to be seen in a certain way, right? Right. It's difficult for me because I'm like, well, do I want the public knowing how I feel about my vagina? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. And why not? Because it makes me feel vulnerable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel vulnerable. It makes me feel like someone may have some power over me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If they know my secrets, if they know how I really feel. Yeah. um, That they may be able to hurt me Mm -hmm. um, or judge me. 
-hmm. or maybe they won't like me. Maybe there's an opportunity that I'll miss out on if I talk about this. Right, right. Um, so it is, it is a little bit scary. Yeah. Which is probably why there's so much mystery surrounding the vagina in general. Yeah. Because it is such a vulnerable space and nobody wants to be taken advantage of. Nobody wants to be seen as less than. But how much power are we giving to others when we don't have these discussions as well? Anyway, that's, that's strong. That's strong. Thank you for stating that. It is. Mm -hmm. I think this is good. Mm -hmm. I think this is good. Like I'm, I'm relaxing. Yeah. I think people know that I'm single. You've said it once or twice. I don't think it's like we haven't prominently put it out there. But I mean, this is like a, I'm single. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there might be an opportunity that comes up where a, a man may feel like, well, you're on the radio, like just putting, cause a lot of people feel like when you're there in a relationship that your body is theirs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sacred. And I don't want you talking about this. I mean, maybe to the girlfriends, but in public, mm-hmm. like that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> but your body is not theirs. Yeah. Your body is yours. It is. It is mine. Um, But I also grew up in a religious household. Mm -hmm. And if you read the Bible, it does say that, number one, it says your body is not your own. Your mind is not your own. Your body belongs and your mind belongs to God. Mm -hmm. And then when you get married, it does say that your your body is not your own. Your body belongs to the other person. Mm -hmm. And... It also says that you are one. Mm-hmm. So it's like integrating, well, what do you really believe? I'm an individual, right? Mm-hmm. I'm my own person. If you die today, we're not one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if I go off and get hit by a car, you didn't die, I did. Mm-hmm. So trying to dissect like what I want to believe and what I want to feel mm-hmm. And all of those things come into play when discussing a topic like this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sorry, Deidre, it's just like hitting me now. Yeah. Like I'm about to talk about your vagina, <laughs> potentially. And I never, I didn't really think, I knew you were going to ask me some questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I knew it was going to be this, these questions. Yeah. Um. So let's do this because I'm like really uncomfortable to be honest with you. No, and I went that. Hold on. Let me just pause it. Let me just stop it for now. I'll continue recording. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand. I'm having a moment where I'm, are you recording again? I'm recording again. Okay. Let it, like, let's just let it, let's just let it play. We're not going to edit this. This is real, you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm having a moment where. I'm feeling resistance because of my beliefs yeah. and deciding in this very moment, do my beliefs get in the way of me being accepted, being liked, being viewed as maybe whorish or slutty mm-hmm. or too open um, being an ultra feminist, mm-hmm. like all of those things are coming up in my mind right now Yeah, because me and Deidre discussed, this is what we're going to talk about. But these questions 
we didn't discuss what the questions were. So now that I'm reading the questions, I'm like, do I want to be that vulnerable? Do yeah. I want to be that open? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what it's bringing up in this moment is this is what we deal with every day. Yeah when we're out there deciding how we want to show up in the world. Right. We're right. afraid of how people will think of us. Mm -hmm. If we'll miss some opportunities from sharing, mm -hmm. if some people won't like us, that's right. If we'll disappoint our parents, yeah. if we'll hurt somebody, if we'll get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so what's the deciding factor? So how do you decide if you're going to be vulnerable, whether that be starting a business, yeah. getting into a relationship, sharing something with a friend that you've never told anyone before, divulging a secret that maybe you were hurt or somebody mm -hmm. hurt you when you were younger, yeah. but you need to discuss it. It has to be discussed mm -hmm. because there's a point of healing and you were saying what that, you know, well, you're, it was, Janice said before that, you know, your body isn't completely yours, especially from a particular spiritual, um, teaching religious teaching. from religious teaching yeah and that god your body belongs to god but if god created your body and you want to be open and vulnerable about your body like he created my vagina too and if i want to talk about and be vulnerable and open about my vagina how is that not being a representation or shining a light back to god as well um and really for me my comfort level if this conversation we were going to record this, I don't know, two months ago. I think I would be a lot more uncomfortable and have a lot more questions where Janisha stands right now too because uh, it is hard to talk about. Oh my gosh, it's the vagina. Um, but doing the play and being involved in the play really helped to help break down some of those mental barriers that I had and some of the, the connotations and the construct I had about the vagina and really want to say, hey, let's shout from the rooftops. I've got a vagina. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all about sex or just one-sided or black and white. Mm -hmm. It is so very nuanced, our relationships with our vaginas. And then not just the vagina itself, but all of these meanings we take away about ourselves because of our vaginas. And I think that was beautifully illustrated in the play um, you know, there was a monologue, the very first, the opening monologue after the little introduction was this woman who was an older woman and you could only hear her kind of her side of the conversation from the interviewer. I mean, not the interviewer, but she's like, well, why do you want to talk about this? And then she goes into her story eventually and shares about her first, um, one of her first sexual experiences, but she kind of took her, the, her takeaway was how unvalued like her own value about herself and how her worth and how she moves in this world because of that particular experience and what happened with that experience and that was because of her vagina she's like but I've never told anybody that before I've never been that vulnerable before and you know the monologue ends on like this little funny note but she's like well you know I hope you feel better and she's like I mean of course we don't hear what the interviewer's reply is but she's like well I do even if you don't I feel better because I shared this mm -hmm. because I was open in this way because somebody took the moment to hear me and see me and hold a space for this thing that I have defined my entire life on that wasn't um it wasn't very kind of me to think of me that way you know yeah. she doesn't say that that's my interpretation but that's kind of the takeaway from that particular monologue. And so I think the the ability to be vulnerable about topics like this really helps to create more connection and also kind of creates more connection in your 
in ourselves about our perception about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you said, when we have the courage to be vulnerable about any of the things you're talking about, the starting the business, the you know sharing secrets about things that we may hold near and dear to us, talking about our vaginas, I think it really helps to create connection and help other be like, ah, you too? Okay. You know, which kind of takes us on that me too, this hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. Um movement thank you I'm like it's better that's more than just a thing yeah yes this hashtag me too movement um, when people know that they're not the only ones out there that have either experienced that kind of trauma or even have vaginas or even see their vaginas in that kind of way I think that's the whole purpose of us sitting down and talking together you know these questions are a little bit silly a little bit funny but they're a little bit they're also meant to kind of strike that Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that sound it's like when you hit that funny bone and Mm -hmm. you get that feeling that's the sound that I hear when I get that we're just like it hurts but in that weird way that kind of makes me want to open up a little bit more um so I think even this this is this is great (laughs) this discussion and dialogue we're having is exactly why we need to be talking more about vaginas and even me saying that I'm concerned with losing opportunities mm-hmm. with people not liking me with being judged yeah. with being labeled yeah i think just that in itself is part of the conversation it mm-hmm. is a conversation yeah. how much do we not do or do we shy away from because we don't want to feel that way exactly we don't want to feel judged we don't want to feel like we're not liked we don't want to lose opportunities mm-hmm that's huge it's ginormous it's ginormous and over and over again people choose fear yeah people choose fear and the fear of being vulnerable over being vulnerable and then how much do we lose out on because we're not creating that vulnerability or creating that connection through being vulnerable yeah so maybe it's conversely yes maybe the question is how do we embrace this talk because how many opportunities will open up because you were so open and vulnerable who knows we won't know until we're, until we put it out there in the world. <laughs> All right. Come on, opportunities. Come on, opportunities. <laughs> How are you feeling now? Here now, because before, just like five minutes ago, you were feeling more tense in your body, a lot more apprehension. Tell me more about yeah, where you like, are now. I was going to shut it down. Like I literally, when I get really uncomfortable, I start to um, disconnect from the visual world so I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in a dream yeah where I'm not really where I am I still feel like that some but that's starting to dissipate so mm-hmm. and some of the anxiety is starting to go away mm-hmm. um but again it just hit me all at once like oh my god what am I about to do yeah who's gonna listen to this mm-hmm. um I know a lot of people that I know personally and have grown up with are going to listen to this yeah and that's just kind of scary to me. Me and you sitting and talking about it, we can talk all day. <laughs> it's fine. That's because we're a safe space. Yeah, yes. I mean, I yeah. I love you. You love me. We're friends. Yeah. But I don't know that those listening love me and have my best interest in, my, in mind. And people can take things that you say and use it against you or use it to hurt you mm-hmm. or judge you from it. Yeah. Um. But also, like you just said, there's the other side of the coin where somebody could be set free from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Somebody could have the strength to um, leave a relationship that is abusive. Somebody could have the strength to talk about a trauma from their childhood Mm -hmm. um, from this conversation. Somebody could realize that the way that they think and feel about themselves 
needs to improve from this conversation. Exactly. So even though I still feel uncomfortable, I'm going to have it anyway. Yeah. Because that's why I wanted to have a, um, a platform. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a platform so that I could help some people be free. Yeah. Yeah. And I could love to be you, Tiffle. <laughs> I actually cut off the Tiffle. Oh, did you? Okay. I changed it to just love to be you. Yeah. Because it was always love to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like that Tiffle was difficult to say and difficult to explain. Mm-hmm. So I just cut it. Well, this is how people can love to be them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love to be you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, that I love. I mean, wow. Thank you for sharing that. I took some for it to go here. It does. I mean, and that's why we do this podcast and that's why we record. And I think all of this gives people permission to be exactly what they need to be. Yeah. And that's part of cultivating your queendom. Uh, me being able to move, not just in your power, but move in your vulnerability yeah. So that you can create connection. And so I hope you don't have to do this alone. At least yeah. you're not talking to a microphone alone and be like, <laughs> okay, I've got to talk about my vagina now. And I think that's also really important, creating community around these topics that are difficult to know that you don't have to share them by yourself, which again goes back to the hashtag me too. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. Yeah. So, wow. Thank you for sharing, Tanisha. All right. So now that we've <laughs> gotten that you know, candid discussion about vulnerability out of the way. Let's get into the questions. Let's get into the questions. Deidre, if your vagina got dressed, what would it wear? Mm, That is a good question. It depends on the day. (laughs) Because sometimes my vagina likes to wear sweats. (laughs) I don't even have sweats, but it would like to wear sweats. Um, But also my vagina would like to get all prettied up. It would... Mm, wear something sleek and black and form-fitting with a little flare and a ruffle. Maybe like a beautiful scarf or a stole or something like that. And mm. High heels and stilettos with silver silver jewelry accents. Yes, because you love silver. I do love silver. I love silver more than gold. I do. Or white gold, I guess, more than gold gold. But yes. I mean, when I, when I imagine, like, I imagine... <laughs> like something that's the people very can't see you. they can't see me but i'm like putting my hands down <laughs> my body as if i were an hourglass you know, an hourglass accentuating my curves um but something that fit to a t but not too tight you know it just looks like it was made just for me super mm-hmm. sleek and sexy but that's on fancy days most days it wears sweats <laughs> <laughs> if your vagina got dressed what would it wear tanisha um Underwear, like <laughs> <laughs> very difficult for me. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. It's just whatever comes to your mind, whatever feels right for you, and it's okay if you don't answer the question directly. <laughs> that's a good. You just said anything doesn't have to wear anything. I think that's what it would wear. Nice, nothing. Yeah, let it be free. Mm-hmm. Let it get some sunshine. Yes, let it get some air. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, let it see the rest of the world. Yeah. It doesn't have to be covered up. No, not at all. Not at all. So I guess I'm I'm saying that to say it, it could be open. Yeah. I you love know? It. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. What's the next one on the list? My phone locked. No worries. I got it. Here, so how about this one? If your vagina could talk, what would it say? Hello. 
<laughs> it's me. <laughs> Sing it, girl. <laughs> uh, I think it would just ask, pay more attention to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I spend so much time paying attention to everything else yeah. in my world, my kids, my business ventures, my mental health, um, my family, my own fears that I forget sometimes to take care of my physical body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget sometimes to take care of my vagina. Mm -hmm. And I think we mentioned before that I take care, uh, you know, I go get pap smears. Yeah. And I go get that, but I don't do anything else Mm -hmm. um, for my vaginal health or even... um, What's the word I want to use? Grooming. Grooming. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it would say, pay attention to me, talk mm-hmm. to me, get to know me better. Yeah. Um, and like ha- it, we would have conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, that also seems kind of strange because. I mean, <laughs> that's all right. But see what's already bringing it up, just how you need to give it some more yeah. attention. I mean, I've ne- this is also so uncomfortable because I've never thought about it. Yeah. And so being asked a question on the fly that makes you become so reflective and deep mm-hmm. at the same time and you're being vulnerable, like that's why I'm having a hard time. Yeah. yeah. You know? As anyone would be. Yeah. You totally have permission to do that, to be in the space. We don't move in the space on our day to day. Yeah. We have to make sure all the I's are getting dotted and the T's are getting crossed and you know, no so and so didn't forget their lunch and oh, did you make up your bed and oh right. I forgot to change the laundry. We don't live in the space on a on a regular basis. But I think my vagina would say, hey, I'm a part of who you are. I have just as much right to be here as your fingers and your nostrils and the hair on your head. I'm a part of who you are. And I think that really stems from I felt very disembodied from my vagina. Um, Again, with that religious upbringing, I was told that, you know, that's only for that's only for marriage. That that's what that's for. And I feel like I just became friends with my vagina about Two years ago? Yeah. Three years ago? I'm like, oh, that's mine. It's part of my everything. Yeah. Um, it's just as important as my feet and my knees that hold me up and bend and are flexible. Mm-hmm. And I would always want to be told about my vagina instead of, you know, figuring out what my vagina was for what it was. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's crazy go nuts. I would never, you know, want somebody else to tell me something about me. <laughs> And I've had the experience in my life to be mansplained. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's not really what I'm saying here. Right. That's, that's the not worst. what I'm thinking or that's not what I'm feeling. And so why, if I don't want that in those areas of my life to about, you know, being explained to myself, to be about my own emotions, about my own thoughts, about my own processes, why the bleepity blop? What I want blop. to be <laughs> told about that part of my body. Deidre has the best curse words and the best little sayings what is your little saying that you say golly gee moses (laughs) bleepity blop i'm just saying like why though why would i want to be told about that yeah um and so i want my vagina to probably say hey not unlike what yours would be i deserve to be here yeah the end yeah and i am here and i'm not going anywhere yeah. So that's what my vagina would say. It'd probably make some sort of proclamation and I'd probably do it every day until I started paying more attention. 
Because, you know, it's not every day that we go down there and check it out and look around. And oh my gosh. Right. So, and not that you have to in order to be mindful, right? Right. You know, like taking care of it health, the medically and grooming and such. But I think mentally I've had given myself the separation mm-hmm. between this is my body over here and that is my vagina over there. Yeah. You know, almost like what Wanda Sykes was saying. Like right. I detach it, but only mentally right Mm -hmm. and I also feel like vaginas only come up when you think of sex or when you think of childbirth they don't even really come up for me urinating yeah because it's just like oh just sit down and do it you don't really think about your vagina right well I don't maybe some people feel connected to the vagina when they go to the bathroom but I don't I just do what I gotta do and move on but I think when you think about it um in other ways maybe doing some research and realizing that Mm -hmm. there's a spiritual aspect to, I also believe, especially for a woman, because it's, it's the inside of your body. Yes. Um, and there's a spiritual connection there to that. And Mm -hmm. I want to explore that. Mm -hmm. I want to explore that more. And, um, and I think also what we're told in religion, just like you and I were discussing earlier, that it is so taboo mm-hmm. to talk about it, to enjoy it so much so where people can't even have sexual pleasure right. with their marriage partner. Yeah. Okay. I've done everything the Bible says I should do. I got married, mm-hmm. you know, I had sex when I was married mm-hmm. and then now it's not pleasurable. And I think it's terrible that some yeah. people have that experience mm-hmm. because they're taught that this is so bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that this is good in, in getting over these barriers, these mental barriers, because that's all they are. They're mental barriers. It it's not it the is. truth. No, no. And I think they bring up such a strong point is, again, this is all a construct we've created in our minds. Yeah about how we understand our bodies to be or the relationship to be or what it's used for. And uh, it just, it is so powerful if we can just, we choose to believe this. Yeah. Or we choose to believe these list of agreements. Right. And um, we, we're going to discuss, because I started reading that last night, the four agreements. <laughs> and we need to have like a book club discussion Look, or something. I've already, I've done a book club with that book. Okay. But, but we need to do another one. It's been a while. Um. And if it just this last weekend, it was it were, I was reminded how powerful our minds are, yeah. and so it is a process to dismantle some of those beliefs and dismantle some of those choices and try to figure out where did that come from? Was I told this? Was I taught this? Mm-hmm. Is this something that I took up for myself, or did this agreement or belief come out of uh, something I made like a, a at, I'm sorry, something that I decided as a child that I would take into adulthood, mm-hmm. and like the process to relinquish those beliefs and agreements and choices of course some of them are easy like oh i'm not going to clip my fingernails anymore but okay that's a really dumb example <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like this natural hair movement yeah i'm not going to that's a great example a i'm not example. going to uh perm my hair anymore yeah. Or I'm not going to put heat in my hair anymore so much to the point where my hair is falling out. Right. right. That's damaging to me. Yeah. Even though, and I remember when women first started going natural, mm-hmm. men were posting on their YouTube channels or their blogs or, or uh, social media pictures, you look ugly. That's not you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be sexy. You're never going to get a man. Yeah. How is something that grows yeah. out of my yeah. head, the way it grows out, ugly or bad for me right yeah 
See, and even that, you can break it down even more. It's not, so you can make the choice to stop the action. Right. But then you have to make the choice to relinquish the belief that you have around that. And that's where I feel like it comes back to this, the vagina and how we see it versus what we're doing with it versus, you know, what we believe about it. Right. But the process, the action is easy to stop. The belief is so hard sometimes to relinquish. And that's a whole other episode I want to talk about later. But um, to relinquish that belief can be such a process because it's not just, okay, I'm not going to believe that anymore. But then especially depending on how ingrained it is or how subconscious it is to see the patterns that you take when you're veering back to that belief and having to re-relinquish and re-relinquish and re-relinquish. So strong and so powerful. So that's something else. Um, when it when it comes to that, what you know, my would be like, hey, I'm still here. I'm right. still a part of you, and I deserve to be here. Yeah, you know, but it would be kind of convenient to have it detached. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, what is special about your vagina, Janisha? That it's mine. Yes. Yes. That it's mine. It's unique. There's nothing else like it mm-hmm. on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm having a u- unique experience with my vagina. Yeah. You can put that in. Yeah. I mean, and I think that is that is incredible. And what that reminds me of is Tiffany Haddish in her book, The Last Black Unicorn. She talks a lot about her magical vagina. <laughs> and she really believes that her vagina has powers. And I think it's, and I mean, to a certain degree, it's true. I'm because, laughing so hard because I could just imagine her like talking about it. Oh, just wait. I listened to the audio book. So okay. it was hilarious. Oh, and she did her own audio. She did her own audio. audio. Oh, my God. So it was. I think I want to listen to it just to yes. hear that chapter. Yes. Like, so I can laugh. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was. I, all of the feels. I can't, I can't even begin to describe. The book was all of the feels and it takes you on such a journey. But um, she, her, I believe her recording her book was, made it even. Like yeah. listening to it, it took it to the next level. <laughs> so her vagina has special magical healing powers. But I will just leave it there and go check it out. Go listen to it or go read it because it's hilarious. Um, and also very telling. She did take a lot of courage and vulnerability to write this book. Yeah. And Yeah. And it just astounded me at the end. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. But yes, all of that is saying your vagina is unique and special. Um, what's special about my vagina? Well, I think it's pretty daggone special because it pushed three babies out. It's also special because it belongs to me as well. I don't feel like I want to steal your answer, but I'm stealing your answer. No, um, I think you're saying it in a different way because if you're saying that your vagina belongs to you, that means you're taking back your power from mm-hmm. it belonging to every man or even yeah. society. Yeah. Cover girl. Right. You know, Maybelline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tampax. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong to you. Right. Right. It's mine. Yeah. It is mine. And I feel like that is, it also kind of goes back to this motherhood thing we were talking about in the beginning. I feel like getting pregnant, having babies, nursing babies, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a time where I got to reclaim my body. Yeah. You know, I wasn't giving to somebody else. It wasn't opening for somebody else. It wasn't like having my body sucked on for somebody else's, you know, nourishment yes. or livelihood. And um, when I say it's mine, it is. It's like I see myself staking my claim with my <laughs> flag, you know, in the dirt. <laughs> Alas, the land of me, you know. But it is. It's special because it belongs to me. And, you know, even 
and doesn't matter what or who uh, I choose to share it with, it's my choice to do that. It's my decision to do that. Um, And I believe that everybody has that choice and power to do with their body as they will. And sometimes we feel powerless because of our circumstances or because of abusive situations or because fill in the blank for whatever that because is for you. But you have the power because you can operate as your own unit yeah. uh, to to create change, even if it does seem hard and difficult. Um, but every single person is worth that change and worth staking that claim in the land of you. Yes. Mm. But so much of this discussion brings up um, scenelets or monologues from the play, and there was uh, a whole monologue about the angry vagina. It's called My Angry Vagina. And she talks about how so many different inventions and creations were not necessarily created with women's pleasure in mind or how to facilitate or hold the vagina to its standard, the gold standard that a vagina should be held to. So she talks about, you know, vaginal exams and how uncomfortable those are. And she Mm -hmm. talks about, um, you know, tampons and, you know, how they should be lubricated. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, she talks about how all underwear should have French ticklers on them so that everybody could be coming and coming and coming. Um, but she also talks about all the body products that are out there and how, um, you know, our vaginas aren't meant to smell like rain or gardens or flowers. And they're just meant to smell like vaginas. Yeah. And so that is, you know, like, I'm like, yes, I affirm that. Why do I have to smell like something else? And uh, because my body was meant to be my body, you know, and just being able to embrace it. And it's really crazy to me how being a part of the experience and then also just watching it because we did three shows or four shows and watching it and being present to my to my castmates has really deeply sunken in a little bit more to me. And it was just it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And so I just want to send a shout out to all those amazing ladies who were in the play with me for really breathing life. I said this before, but breathing life into this play and breathing life into my awareness and to help open my perspective more about my own vagina and the way I view it, but also wanting to shed more positive light uh, on vaginas uh, because so much that you hear in the media and in public about vaginas is about violence towards women Mm -hmm. and um, wanting to almost put a sock in it um, but talk negatively about the woman's body mm-hmm. or in the, about the vagina in that way. So I am. It's either that or sec- it's sexual. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and yes, vaginas do have that capability, but we have other capabilities too. So uh, very, very incredible. Well, something I want to encourage everyone to do. Um, again, I was reading the play mm-hmm. and uh, a woman speaks about, never having time to even look at her vagina. Yeah. So if you've never taken a mirror and got down there and looked at it, go and do that. Mm -hmm. It's a part of your body. Go and look at it and get a book. If you don't, if you're not familiar with your own anatomy, right. Just, or I really Google, um, and, and look at yourself and understand who you are from a, an anatomical point of view, but mm-hmm. also consider how it makes you feel and empower yourself by looking and knowing how, who you are in the mirror. Yes. Yes. Do that's, that. That's very important. That's very important. And not that you have to look at your vagina every single day, 
But knowing what you look like, I mean, you, you would recognize your hands in a lineup. Right. You would recognize your nose or your face in a lineup. Yeah. Would you recognize your vagina in a lineup? Yeah. So, yeah, I challenge you to do that, too. Yeah. I should challenge me to do that, too. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thanks for joining us in the Queen's Chambers as we talk all about vaginas. We are, like I said before, writing a, we're hosting a three- episode series on vaginas and so next week we'll have a guest with us to talk more about vaginas but until then it's time for the queen scene queen scene this is a space to share about women in our community and area who are bringing more awareness to topics and issues that we feel are important here on the queen scene today i want to talk about the vagina chronicles this is a midwife in our area who wants to break myths and discuss all things vagina she is a certified nurse midwife and a women's health nurse practitioner and so she sees patients um, and brings more awareness about vaginal health and what to expect and you can find her at the Vagina Chronicles on Instagram. It's one whole word, The Vagina Chronicles. And then also on the World Wide Web, thevagina-chronicles.com. And she is very open and honest in sharing what her experience is like um, as a midwife and women's health worker. Um, she shares lots of quotes and information, talks about her own experiences, serving women in her community, and the importance of knowing and understanding your body. Well, as we wrap up, we're going to just share a little bit of our contact information. We hope to be in connection with you and in discussion with you in all of the places. You can find us on Instagram at the Queen Team Podcast, and you can send us an email. Send us a question. Let us know what you guys want to talk about, what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, again, like I've mentioned before, we have our own topics and, and you know, things that we're passionate about, but we want to serve you guys and hear what you have to say and what you think. And if you have anyone that you want to shout out for the queen scene pick, somebody that inspires you. Um, I like to discuss local women in our community where we live, but wherever you live, if there's someone that's inspiring you, if there's somebody that makes you feel empowered or is important or has something of value to share, send us an email and let us know so we can shout them out. Mm -hmm. So we love you guys. We'll catch you on Instagram at the Queen Team Podcast and email us at the Queen Team Podcast on gmail.com. And we'll see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. Bye, cuties. Bye, cuties. The plane stays mainly in Spain. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm not totally cultureless. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say, the you rain. unsophisticated swine? Ah.